AirPods Pro with adaptive audio. Automatically keeps out the sounds you don't want to hear so you can listen to your music. And lowers your music to let in the sounds you do need to hear. Hi there. Hi, what can I get you? I'll have a strawberry mango coconut probiotic smoothie with wheatgrass. Anything else? Extra wheatgrass. Here you go. AirPods Pro with adaptive audio. Available on AirPods Pro second generation when enabled. Are you ready to move your career forward? Make your comeback with Purdue Global and get college credit for your work, school, life, or military experiences. With these credits, you may have already completed up to 75% of your undergraduate degree. You've worked hard to get where you are. It's time to get the recognition you deserve and earn a degree you'll be proud of. One that employers will trust and respect. When you take the next step in your life and career, make it count with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback at purdueglobal.edu. Welcome back to Dealing Together. First caller? I bought three sweaters to get the fourth free. Oh, you got fleeced. Next caller? I traded my old Samsung at AT&T for a new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus and chose my plan. That's not a bad deal. It is not. Our best smartphone deals. Your choice of plan. Learn how to get the new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus with Galaxy AI on us with eligible trade-in. AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Offers vary by device. Subject to change. S24 plus 256 gigabyte offer available for a limited time. Terms and restrictions apply. See att.com slash Samsung for details. Welcome back to the BobbyCast, the top eight interviews of the year. This is part two where we're looking back on some of our favorite moments from this podcast. If you missed part one, go back and check it out because there's a lot of good stuff there. Lionel Richie, Chris Kirkpatrick, Vince Sink. But this episode, we'll hear from Shay, from Dan and Shay, Russell Dickerson, Morgan Wallen, and Luke Combs. They've all had really big years and had a chance to talk to them at different points of the year, so it's been pretty cool. And it's also cool to go back and listen to some of these on our podcast feed from before they blew up. Because we have a lot of those. Yeah. Or we're talking to folks before they blew up. It's like, hey, what's this about? What are you about? And then, well, bam, here they go. Now, also, be sure to subscribe wherever you listen to this right now. If you're just searching it out and finding it and you haven't subscribed yet, we'd love it if you subscribed. And if you wouldn't mind giving us a five-star rating and a quick little review, because that'll help us out in the, the long run. And if you hear me say this and you don't do it, that's bad luck. Yeah. I've heard that lots of people have really bad luck if they don't do it. You thought 2020 was bad? Wait for 2021 if you don't do that. Yeah, just for you, yeah. not for everybody <laughs> yeah. else. You won't be in this together. Yeah. You'll be in this alone. All right, let's kick it off here. Here is Shay Mooney. Here you go at, this is number five? Number four. Four, three, two, one, four. We do six last week? It was eight. Oh, it's top eight. Yeah. All right. Eight. Let's leave all this on the podcast too, how, <laughs> okay. how I'm an idiot and thought we were doing top 10. <laughs> Even though I just said three lines ago. All right. We're not going to edit this out, friends. <laughs> there we go. Tweet me if you heard this and thought Bobby's an idiot. Uh, we'll kick it off with Shay Mooney of Dan and Shay at number four. Here you go. Like, I feel a proudness for you and Dan both because it's just, I've just seen, because we, we kind of came in at the same time. Yeah. I've seen you go from two guys that they patched together, that you guys patched together, but people are like, I don't know if they're country. Yeah. I don't, that was your whole rap. Like, I don't know if they're going to make it. Yeah. I don't know if that they're, you know, the guy can <laughs> sing okay, but yeah. they just didn't know. For sure. I mean, it was... I saw one of the coolest, uh, like it was an Instagram message. I think this girl had sent this picture to us and she was like, I think she had tagged us and it said, I saw these guys uh, and it was in 2012, I think, or 2013, like right after we had met and we were doing this round at Soulshine Pizza that I don't think is there uh, anymore. I think it's something else now in Midtown. And she was like, I saw these guys play around, you know, however long ago in 2013 and now I just bought a ticket to see them at Bridgestone. And it kind of took me, it took me back for a second because I was just like, man, this is just as, as they think it's it's cool. A lot of times you're so busy with building it that it's hard to look back. And I saw that picture and immediately in that moment, it was just like, whoa, that's that's heavy. You know, we were struggling in that moment. Couldn't We were probably paying for, honestly, I think the deal, we, did, we weren't getting paid for the round. It was, we got a, a slice of pizza. <laughs> like that was what we were getting paid <laughs> you for. You got pizza and experience. Yeah, absolutely. And And playing to where people would actually be there to listen. Yeah, yeah. Which they weren't that nice. <laughs> but we did get the pizza, which was pretty awesome. Apparently there was one girl, though, that was there and got to kind of see that, which was a pretty cool moment. I don't know. I, I looked up the most Google questions about you. Here you go. Number one is, are you and Shay related? <laughs> you can answer these. I'm okay. not going to answer them for you. Okay. But are, are, are Dan and Shay related? We're, we're not. We're not related. Not that I know about. Okay. Did you 23 and me and make sure? I haven't yet. You know, it's it's I'm starting to starting to think about it now, though. What is this cool would make a lot of sense for me is when I see you guys. I don't know what award show it was, 
but you guys still like each other. Yeah. To the point of, it's not just, I'll compare it to, and I'm not married, you're married now, but a marriage that's been through like 10 years and, and this is not you guys, but they're together and they just do it because they've agreed to a partnership. It's like you guys that are that married couple that you yeah. look at and go, wow, they still like each other yeah. after all this time. <laughs> it is, man. And it feels like that. And I think it's because it started out with a, from a place of mutual respect. You know, it wasn't just this, it wasn't so much, a lot of, you know, a lot of times it's this whimsical thing that happens and, it, you know, you don't even have time to really get to know each other. You know, a lot of times in bands, it, it can happen quickly and you, you didn't have the time where you were kind of grinding it out with each other on the road and doing, you know, millions of shows together. Um, and Dan and I had kind of, we had become kind of who we were going to be when we had met. We knew where we were trying to get to and uh, we just really respected what each other, you know, were doing. And uh, yeah, man, it's, it's kind of crazy because Dan and I are really complete opposites in most ways, in most ways. And I think from that, you know, it's kind of like a puzzle piece. It's like he, he picks up what I can't do. He's an unbelievable producer. He makes me sound good. I can't do any of that. I, I don't know what I'm doing in the studio. So it's kind of that thing of I trust him, you know, with literally like my life and my well-being, and he trusts me with, with that as well. And I think it just kind of, you know, it's, it's, clo- it's, it's like being family, but it's really just a, I don't know. It's a really cool thing because I do, I do still like, and we are still best friends. You know, it's kind of one of those things of all the time we're always looking at each other being like, I can't believe that this is, this is happening. It's just crazy. The second one is, who are Shay's parents? <laughs> who are Shay's parents? Rick and Cindy Mooney are their names. Natural Dam, Arkansas. I know everybody, probably a lot of people watching from Natural Dam. I think they just got internet, so this is probably going to be a pretty big deal. <laughs> You know, you, you laugh about Natural Dam, Arkansas, but my town, Mountain Pine, Arkansas, we just got a cell phone tower now really? like 19 months ago. Wow. Now, where, where is that in, as far as like where Little Rock is? Because we're on the, you know, the western side of Arkansas. Right. So if you go straight down, because I know where you are. Yeah. If you go straight down, yeah. Mountain Pine is below Little Rock on the same side of the state about an hour. Okay. So left side of the state, straight okay. down. Is that toward El Dorado or is that uh, the other? It's the other side. Other side. Yeah. Okay. I, but I went to Fayetteville and I was um, went to the Razorback game this past week. Yeah. And I don't get many weekends where I'm off. And so I went over and I took Adam Hambrick, who's a dear friend of mine. And I saw that. Is, and you were with Ronnie Brewer, right? Yeah. Ronnie, yeah, I know yeah. Ronnie. Well, they were, my points oh, were yeah. they were asking about you. Oh, yeah, that's cool. They were like, have you seen Shay lately? Yeah. And it's, it's almost like if someone, they think we're all like related or hang out. Yeah, yeah. That we're all from like, Arkansas. I don't know, he's in the kitchen. Let me you know, go. Like, hey, where's Shay been? What's up, what's up with Shay? Yeah. I'm like, you know, I haven't seen him in probably like a month. Yeah. But I think he's doing pretty good. Yeah. I watch him on Instagram. But it's just funny how when we all come from Arkansas, and afterward, I hung out with a lot of listeners and a lot of people that listen yeah. to the show or watch American Idol. And they were, I probably got asked about you four times. That's like, hilarious. you seen Shay lately? Just get, uh, they think all us Arkansas boys run together. We should probably have a meeting. Yeah, we haven't had one in, le- in at least yeah, a couple it's been a couple months. Ever. Yeah. A chapter of Arkansas. Uh, here's one. Does Shay get paid more than Dan? <laughs> yeah, that was in the deal. I was like, look. If I'm going to sing. If I'm going to do this, <laughs> you know, you might do most of the work, but this is how it's going to be. I assume there's a split. You guys are a part. It's an even split. Uh, as far as I know. Maybe he, maybe he does. I don't know. One more. Does Dan or Shay sing Speechless? Well, we both sing. Dan sings Harmony. I sing the lead. But you're the... Yep. You're the but I, yeah. I'm that. that. I'm that. You're that. That that sounded pretty amazing. I'll be honest with you. Yeah. It, Are you, do you want to join? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that'd be cool. Can you imagine if I went out and just we didn't say anything about it, <laughs> just as a joke? We didn't acknowledge it. Yeah. We just walked out and you. Ne- it, we didn't say anything. I just walked out and it was like, they're like Dan and Shay, and it's me and, I, and we start speechless. <laughs> and I it don't. Would, it would totally depend on if like if someone knew that it was you or not. Because if they didn't and they hadn't seen us before, they'd be like, I didn't even. I had no idea that it was three of them. Then I, no, no, you don't come out. No. No, oh, no, I don't come out. No, I put on like a black That's wig. Even better. And I never break character. Yeah. And I oh, sing it amazing. as great as I can. And just, we keep cameras in the crowd to see if people are stunned. <laughs> <laughs> we never acknowledge it. So, what, what well, I'll great, tell you, it's going to be a pretty great uh, social experiment that will happen. And I can tell you, no one will get yeah. angry at that. What kid were you in high school? What were you known as? Shay is the, were you the singer? Were you the... Uh, yeah, yeah. I think... Like, yeah, a little bit. The trait bit. that people knew most about you was what? Probably, honestly, more that I was kind of like the funny guy, I would say, because I didn't like sing a ton. Uh, I did. like I, I was definitely kind of known for that, but I was, I was definitely the, the class clown, I would say. Um, but yeah, I did sing 
at like events, like randomly. I would do like, we had chapel. It was a Christian school, so I, I would sing in chapel. Would it shock like people that. that you were so good because you didn't do it all the time? Uh, yeah, sometimes. I remember when I came to school, because I started like halfway through fifth grade. And so I remember I, I like, they asked me to sing at chapel. And that was like my first, I had been, I had sang in church and like, you know, done that whole thing. But that was like my first like real world at school. It was like halfway through the year and I came in, sang at chapel. It's my moment. Felt felt really good. At, at what age did you go, oh, I'm not just good for here in a, a small town. I'm actually Ooh. good enough to go and try something outside of what I'm accustomed to. Yeah. I, man, honestly, I was, I was probably, I was eight years old when we first started coming to Nashville because we would make these little trips because I would sing with my sisters. I have two older sisters. Erica is the oldest and then Gabby. Um, and we would sing, we'd travel around and like, you know, just kind of for fun. We'd go to churches and do the whole deal. Um, and when I was about eight, we came to Nashville. And at that point, I kind of told my dad, like, I'm, I want to, this is like what I want to do. That was just like, I didn't know that I was, like people would, I think people a lot of times like kind of assume that I was like this, I don't want to say like prodigy, but like was like always insanely good at singing and was just like, that wasn't necessarily the case. We just, everyone in my family did it. And I think just for the sheer fact that I was young, people would be like, oh, he's like, he's really good. But we were in small, you know, this was small towns. So it's kind of like I would take it as, as a grain of salt. And I think my parents would too. Like they knew I was, you know, pretty good, but I don't know that it was, oh, this is going to be your career kind of thing. That kind of came honestly later. And I did it, you know, I was coming to Nashville since I was eight, but it wasn't, I never knew. There wasn't a ton of people that were just like, this is undeniable. Like they knew that I was good, but it wasn't until I was a little bit older we had a couple people be like, oh, you should, you guys could do this. But it was never, I don't know. You go to college for a year, yeah. right? Yeah. And then you go, I'm going to go, I need to go do music. Yeah. What was the, the, the point in going to school where it clicked? Where I was like, I, it's going to be tough, but I got to get out of school. And I, I actually, it. it wasn't even a real, it wasn't actually a, a school. It was actually a ministry school. So I went there, it was like a nine month program. And I had a full ride to go to like a music school. And I decided right before, because my sister Gabby had decided she was going to go up to Pittsburgh to go to this like nine month you know program. And I was just like, I kind of want to, I'm going to go with you. I'm going to do this. And it was kind of that I wasn't quite sure what I was going to do with my life. I was about to graduate and I didn't want to go to school for something that I already felt like I was, I didn't think I was going to like learn. And, and I, if I was going for like engineering or something like that, which is probably what I would have done. I just, I, I, I didn't want to go to school for like a performance major, you know, and like learn how to sing. I just felt like that wasn't really the vibe. And so, yeah, I kind of took that, that nine months and lived in Pittsburgh. Um, and then right after that, I moved back home, which is when kind of the whole T-Pain thing happened. Which is an interesting thing too, because when you can really sing, you can also kind of pick where you sing. Yeah. And even... I give Garth as an example. He was singing rock songs. Yeah. He was, you know, he was kind of finding his place early. Um, So how do you get discovered by, because uh, what was it called? What was T-Pain? It was called um, Nappy Boy. Nappy Boy. How do you get hooked up with them? How do they see you? What are the steps that led you to go there? Did you move to Atlanta for a while? I did move to Atlanta. So I was, so I lived in Pittsburgh and my sister was, she had this, uh, she was super good. She a good dancer. Like she was a choreographer and did all this stuff. And she was had met this guy named Mike, uh, who was actually a backup dancer for T Pain. And so we kind of all were hanging out there for a little while. And um, long story short, I, we get back to Arkansas after you know the school after the nine months, and we're there. And I just randomly get like a a text was like, "Hey, are, what are you doing?" And I knew he had worked with T Pain, and I guess he had sent some YouTube video of mine to T-Pain and I was in, I was at Van Buren actually and I was in a movie. I'll never forget this. And I like, he was like, Hey, like he wants to like, you know, FaceTime you or whatever. And I was just like, I was in this movie and I didn't have any service. And I was like, I was like, this is the craziest thing ever. So I go out of the movie and my friend was like, oh, one of the managers watching there. A movie. was watching a movie. I thought, Mike, didn't you think he was like filming starring, a movie? Yeah. I thought he was like doing, <laughs> yeah, sling, yeah, I thought he was doing I was like Sling Blade movie, yeah. in Arkansas. You might have heard of this movie. It's yeah. called Hot Rod. Uh, it was like this little project <laughs> okay. I was working on. So you leave the theater. Yeah, so I leave the theater. So I, I walk outside and I didn't have any Wi-Fi and the service wasn't good enough. So I had to get on Wi-Fi. I think it was a FaceTime call. I can't remember if that was even a thing then, but either way, I didn't have any service. I had to like go get on the Wi-Fi. So I, my friend was the manager there and like gave me the Wi-Fi password. And I'm in like this back room 
at the movie theater, like FaceTiming or whatever, T-Pain. And he was like, hey, I want you to come to Memphis. Like we're playing a show there. It was him and Chris Brown. I want you to come, you know, play with us and, and do this whole deal. So I was just like, yeah, all right, let's what do it. What does do this whole deal mean? I didn't, I have no idea. Oh, yeah. <laughs> to this day, I don't know what that meant. I was, you know those moments like you get the call and you're just like, yeah, whatever it is, I'm down. Yeah. I'm in. That got me into a lot of trouble probably at, at some points in my life. Like whatever that is, I'm doing it. So the, the, the legend of the fort, which in different places we've talked about, but you guys <laughs> met in a living room fort yeah. at a house, which you've been back by. I've, I, I've even seen you guys post it before. Yeah. Um, Dan was living in that house. Yeah. And you went over to the house? I did. So I was living on, uh, I was living with my buddy actually at the time. Um, I had, I was, I was, I think I was maybe, <laughs> I don't even remember if I, if I even was paying him, but I was basically sleeping on his couch for like a little while. His name was Brandon Metcalf. Great guy. And he had a studio and I was like working a lot with him when I had moved to Nashville and kind of had my place. And, um, there was a guy named Andrew, um, that just one night we had been writing a lot and he told me, he's like, man, I, I'm going over to the, these guys house. They had a band at the time. He's like, they're having a house party. Uh, you know, you want to come with me? And I was just like, yeah, sure. Let's do it. And at that time it was just kind of like anytime you could go somewhere without spending any money. <laughs> and you knew that there was like, we knew that there was a keg free there. And I was like, free this entertainment is, and a little bit of great. nourishment. That's yes. all you're chasing. That's all I was chasing. It was like, do you think I got like pizza or yeah, something? I like <laughs> I've been eating in like a couple of days. <laughs> But it was like, yeah, we showed up at this house, and little did I know that that night was going to completely change my life. At number three, this is a pretty recent one. This is Russell Dickerson from the new house, the new studio. I'm not sure if I mentioned in this clip or not, but I drove up to the house, and he was standing out in the dark by himself, and he's a tall, haunting figure. <laughs> it's the lights aren't on. He's a, he's a big old boy. Here you go, number three. Do you feel, though, now with four number ones, like you can take a breath, not in a way of relaxing, but in not worrying that you won't stay. Yeah, a little bit. I mean, with everyone, it gets that way. And I think why this one is so special is because it's off album two, you know? And I think this kind of nips the sophomore slump in the bud, you know? This is the first song from the second album? For, yeah. But the full record is hold it and I'm it's I have no notes. Yet. Right. It's called Southern, Southern Symphony. Symphony. Yeah. I'm the biggest Russell Dickerson Dude. stand there is. <laughs> so Dude. the song is out, the mm-hmm. record is not yet, Records and you already have a number one before the record's even out. Mm-hmm. Come on, what, yeah. what else can you ask Dude, for? I don't know. I don't know. That's like best case scenario. So it comes out December fourth. Let me play your four number ones in case we have some brand new Russell okay. D fans. All right. Uh yours, here you go. I came to life and I first kissed you. The best which, by the way, funny story. I, of course, I, I'm just going to go ahead and interrupt you there. Yes, I will come sing at your wedding. Wasn't the question? I absolutely <laughs> will. Thank you for asking. <laughs> That's funny. Um, we, <laughs> Caitlin and I were listening to songs last night because she's trying to find a song to walk down the aisle to. She doesn't want to walk down to dun 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 dun, and we wanted to pick a song that meant a lot to us. But we were scrolling, and why I think about yours is because there's a whole wedding mix of this mm-hmm. song too that I didn't yeah. even know. It's, mm-hmm. How was it different though? Uh, it's just stripped back. There's no drums. There's no you know. There's no big guitar solo. It's like a kind of piano celloy vibe. But we didn't pick it. But it was up there yeah. in the top ten. <laughs> <laughs> we just and but I I was like, hey, this song's really great. And yeah. I was like, I, I love Russell. We just didn't have a story to it as a uh, yeah, couple. Absolutely. So I have to like defend myself now. I'm like, hey man, that's a great song. Trust me. <laughs> uh, so that was your first number one. Here is Blue Tacoma. Blue Tacoma, California. White Magnolia in your hair. Here is Every Little Thing. I mean, that's a jam. Listen, of all of your, hey, listen, they're all good, right? But that's the one that it comes on. I can't get it out of my head. That, yes, that's the goal. I mean, that's the ultimate goal. And, you know, it's not a slow love song. So your sets, one of your big hits has got energy. Got to. Yeah. That's what was so huge about this song actually taking off was like, we finally have more than, I mean, I remember having to teach people Blue Tacoma in the crowd, you know? And so to have that, you know, it's kind of mid-ish, but then every little thing, bro. When yeah, that Blue was Tacoma popping, is at the mid. Yeah. Yeah. And so when every little thing was just like, nice. felt so good to have in the set. And this, uh, Love You Like I Used To, which feels like just looking at the title 
Like you're saying, I don't love you like I used to in a bad way. Mm -hmm. Do you know that? Do yeah. you know that when you yeah, guys? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. All right. So, but it doesn't mean that at all. No. So in the first verse, we kind of wanted that to be the kind of fake out. It's like, I've always loved you, but something's changed. Blame it on time, whatever. But it's not the same. And you know what I mean? It's it up, up until the chorus just punches you in the face. That's what we wanted you to think that it was a breakup song. But it's like, this gets better every time you kiss me like this. You know what I mean? So. I'm such a melody guy that it took me a while. Sure. I was like, okay, well, he's sad about something, but then I just knew, but then it took me a little bit as just a guy that doesn't know lyrics. Right. Good, good though. Congratulations, Thanks, man. Thanks, man. It's a big week. Is uh, all of these songs, were they written with, were all four of them written with the same folks? Same folks, yeah. Casey Brown and Parker Welling. My Belmont friends. That was like, I I tried the I tried the hit songwriter route. You know, I wrote with I mean I don't have to name all the people, but I wrote with all the who's who's of songwriters and it just didn't the magic wasn't there. Do they have because I don't know either one of them and and I'm I'm saying this in the most respectful way. Mm -hmm. There's obviously something that clicks with the battery of you three. Sure. Have they written other massive hits or big hits? This is all our first four number one. That's freaking awesome. So cool, man. It was, uh, I mean, even at, like at yours, the first number one we all had together, dude, I was just like standing up there. You know how you have the number one parties and everybody gather around, there's chips and salsa and everything. And I'm just like standing up on the stage just crying because like it's been, it's been a long journey to get to this point and to all, for all three of us who went to Belmont together and all had our first number one together. It's just like one of those so super special moments. Is that how you and Tyler Hubbard are friends? Yeah. From college? Belmont, yeah. Mm -hmm. They came. They came to one of my first shows ever. Who's that, they? Brian and Tyler. So they came, and I was probably playing for t to like eight people at Twelfth and Porter. And two of them were Brian and Tyler. Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> so they were literally a quarter of the crowd. And uh, and man, it's just like they came up to me afterwards and were like, "Hey, bro, cool vibe, cool songs." Whatever. Oh, they weren't friends with yours then. No, they saw you play they while saw, you guys were both in school. Yeah, yeah. And so they were they were like songwriters at the time. They were just like, "We want to write. We've been writing songs together." So they invited me over. We wrote my pretty much first EP together with FGL, and that was like the the start of it all. I mean, not not for me, and then <laughs> that was the start of it for them because they went from just nothing yeah. to they played me the demo for Cruise, and I was like, "Well, see y'all later, bro," because y'all are gone, taken off. And you guys are like close family friends. Mm -hmm, yeah, you and Tyler are. Mm -hmm, yeah, we're very close. I feel like every second Instagram picture is you on his or his on yours. Right. Yeah. He's coronaing right now. He is, bro. In the bus. He is. He's straight up quarantining. Have you talked to him? Yeah, I have. Is he playing? Well, like, is he playing video? That's what I would do. I put myself in the mindset if I was playing video games or if I was trapped in a bus, I'd play mm -hmm. video games. I would have all the time in the world to work, but I would keep going, well, since I have all this time, I'm not going to work yet. And my work would right. continue to be put off. Yeah. What, what is he doing? I would be the same way. He, dude, he told me he's written like five songs by himself already. Jeez. And he's just like, oh, that's him though. He just like never stops. I mean, you never stop either. But I don't have a talent. Like I don't have a skill. That, don't no, no, sell no, yourself I, short. I'm telling you, this is the truth. My podcast, let me talk. <laughs> I don't have something that I can just bet all the chips on and go, this is my talent. I stand behind it. My, my skill is knowing that my grind is going to keep me here. Okay. I've worked, we've all worked extremely hard, but at least you can sing. I can do nothing. I go out and I fail and figure things out slowly but surely. But thank you for saying that. But I think, I think a... You're never going to convince me I'm talented. All right. And when okay. people tell me, if people are like, man, you're, you're very talented, I get offended. Okay. If like, man, you're... Yeah, and you're, you're so talented. I'm because like, no, you no, think no. they're demoted. De yeah, because I'm like, no, no, no. I'm not talented at all. Yeah. I just show up. Right. Yeah. You I, do. Which is weird that I get upset at folks for telling me I'm talented. Like, even when Russell said that, it triggered me. <laughs> I was triggered. Like, I, was like, I was like, that's not true. <laughs> I was uh, reading your, your wife's Instagram, which, by the way, if you want to hear Russell's whole origin story, because you are basically an X-Man. Basically. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. There's a, one of these with Russell and his wife the mm -hmm. first time. Maybe the first time we met. That's when that was. No, yeah, we had right met around, before, but. right around then, because your wife saved me outside of the Ryman yes. doing a show, mm -hmm. and then you guys came up a couple days later. Yep. All I know is there. I'm going in the back door at the Ryman. There are a lot of folks, and a lot of those autograph people that want you to sign something so they can sell it immediately. Yep. And I'm being hounded, and 
a, a voice jumps in from the clouds and goes, stop, he has to get inside. <laughs> and I looked over and I was like, who is this masked Amazing. figure? And it was your wife and she escorted me in the, in the, yeah, in the Ryman for the, an Opry show that me, you and Michael Ray did. Yeah, that night. yeah, we were there for that show, yeah. All right, enough. I'm gonna read you something she wrote. This was on, his, on, on her Instagram. This man is celebrating his fourth number one on country radio this week. I'll never stop celebrating your accomplishments at Russell D. The little ones, the big ones, and this is the big one. I'll never stop celebrating because I know what it costs to get us here. Sleeping on seatbelts and vans. Watching you put on an arena-worthy show to six people in a field who would listen. Barely getting by. Being told no over and over again. All of it. You never wavered, not in your dreams, your work ethic, or in your character. Some people are given success in spite of who they are, and you are given it because of who you are. I'm so thankful our son has you to look up to in every way. Four for four, baby. Let's celebrate with some carabas. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. There are a lot of things yes. I'd like to talk about in yes. just this paragraph. For sure. I, I think your wife's fantastic, by the way. Love oh her. my gosh, dude. She's such a writer, man. She is. Mm. Love her. Okay, up first, let's talk about the sleeping on seatbelts and vans. Straight up. Because when you have to lay down in a van and you can't get the seatbelt all, there's nowhere to put it. It won't go under the seat. Yeah. There's, there's the seat belt, like the actual belt with the buckle. Yeah. And then there's what you the buckle it into one. that literally is up your crack. And like, you can you, try, you can put a pillow over it. It never stays. Still, no, still your hip bone just digging into dude. It's the God bless any and everyone still to wear in vans. I'd like to tell her that was a, a really fantastic reference that I could feel in my body. Because yeah. when I first started touring, doing comedy, I just slept in a sprinter van sure. in the middle seat because mm-hmm. the back seat had crap in it. The yeah. middle seat, that seatbelt would suck. Right there, bro. Do, uh, tell me about a, because she must be talking about a show specifically she remembers. Were you ever in a field and there was... Oh, yeah, absolutely. We were opening up. I bet the one she's talking about is... Well, dude, there's been a <laughs> lot. <There's, laughs> actually, I have GoPro footage of this show. It was... it's So we did the NACA circuit, which is National Collegiate whatever, Association of whatever. So they put on shows. So they brought us in for like maybe two fifty, five hundred bucks. So we drive eight hours, the whole band, everybody, and it's for their like, you name it, like registration day. But like, nobody cares. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like nobody come, came to this function, and they just like, they had like cotton candy and popcorn and everything, and there was legit maybe twenty total people just scattered around these little stations and like zero people up at the stage watching us. And so, you know, that was normal for us. What goes on in your mind whenever you've been paid to do a show, but nobody cares? My Honestly, my mindset was we'll get there one day. Like I, you just, I just, if I hadn't gained six new fans, that show she's talking about, then great. Like that was my mindset of like, we will get there one day, six people at a time if we have to. You know, and like, it was just in my mind, it was just arenas. And, you know, I watched Garth Brooks DVDs. I watched Keith Urban's DVDs of their, their live show. And I just like, in my mind, I would just kind of go there when there's no one, when no one cares and there's six people in a field. Isn't it crazy too? You mentioned Keith. He used to play in an airport. He would stand on that, that thing where the bags went around (laughs) and he would say, people would be annoyed that they were playing. Right. And he had to visualize something. Dude. Like there's something that he had to focus on mm-hmm. just to get to that next step. Yeah. Now here you are. We have a lot of new artists that listen to this podcast specifically because we put on producers, we put on managers. You yeah. know, it's a little more on the weeds. But what's great is you're talking about this because there are a lot of new artists right now listening mm-hmm. who feel like they can't get that full step forward. It's, it's constantly a step backward. What do you tell them? You just got to keep showing. Like you said, you got to keep showing up. That was what... And you have to you have to do it humbly. You can't you can't rush trying to you can't be too good for that two hundred and fifty dollar show. You know what I mean? Like there comes a point where it financially doesn't make sense, and it didn't. But you know, I was you just have to show up and show up humbly and keep showing up, taking two fifty because two fifty will turn into five hundred to a thousand to five. You know until you're opening up for Thomas Rhett, opening up for Kane Brown. And, you know, that was, I, I know I don't take any show for granted because I've been, I've been there. You know, it's like, it's like rich people who used to be homeless. Like they know they came from nothing and now they have every, I'm not saying I'm rich. I'm saying, you know, 
listen, I know because I'm living it. Right. Like I was a yeah. welfare food stamp kid. Yeah. And so I appreciate what I have even more than that. Yeah. The same way that, mm-hmm. that you're talking about. Um, I want to mention one other thing and then I want to go back. But Carabas, that is also a place that Caitlin and I, we, we'll do Olive Garden on normal nights. But when we get fancy, we go to Carabas. Dude, because you are speaking our language. Because Carabas is like 22% nicer. Yeah. Both are great. Yeah. Love them both. But Carabas, I might wear pants. Where I'll wear, <laughs> I can wear sweats to I Olive wear Garden. I cargo shorts yeah. to Olive Garden. To Carabas, I feel like I need something with a seam. Yeah. Well, because the, the, first of all, the wait staff is dressed a little nice. They're dressed 22% nicer. Nice. You know what I'm saying? I agree. Yeah, Krav is fantastic. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City Featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted, so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City Branch. Subject to credit approval. Terms apply. The following ad is sponsored by Pets Best Insurance Services. Pets come into our lives in many ways. Shelters, breeders, or unexpected encounters. But no matter how you found your pet, they become our perfect match. Unfortunately, finding the right pet insurance plan can be hard. That's where Pets Best comes in. With a little information about you and your pet, Pets Best will recommend a plan that meets your needs and budget. Visit PetsBest.com to learn more today. Your perfect pet deserves the perfect coverage. PetsBest.com at number two, and this was tough because two and one are both really good. Uh, Morgan Wallen, his really only long-form interview since all the drama. We were the first place he came. He was like, hey, I want to talk about this and kind of get it over with. And I was like, cool, come to the house. He did, and then we played piano over at, the hell at my house. Uh, number two, here's Morgan Wallen. When you cut the mullet, because I credit you to the entire country music mullet world. You, you were the first one that said, hey, this is just what it is. Now everybody does it a little bit. But honest to God, and I'm not just blowing smoke up your butt because you're here. You were the first one to kind of bring it back and make it cool again. Back. I'll, yeah, I'll, I'll say. Well, I'll you take, didn't invent it. No, no. I mean, yeah. yeah. But I'm saying that the next generation of, of country guys, even some of the older guys that are, are being funny and cutting, it's all because of you. You well, know that, right? I, I, I got a pretty good feeling. Yeah. I, I definitely had a good part in it. Why, why did you cut the mullet and did you expect it to last? Uh, Well... I had a, after I cut my long hair, I kind of just had a haircut, you know, and as, as I remember, um, Stacy at at CMT told me one time, he was like, you can usually tell all, uh, if you can look at a silhouette of a person, you can usually tell that's them. I was like, well, I don't know if you could do that with me right now. (laughs) So I started thinking, you know, and I I couldn't really, didn't really think anything. So I was like, well, whatever. I'm just going to let my music speak for itself, I guess. And then I went back home to uh my parents on easter i guess it was three years ago now maybe maybe yeah three i think and uh i was looking through a photo album of my parents when they got married my dad had a mullet and uh me and him look a lot alike we're we're just a lot alike in general and he was 25 when he got married and i was 25 at the time so i guess not even three years almost three years ago and uh i was either 24 25 whatever i was the same around the same age as him i was like well dad you look pretty good now if i if you can do that I can do that. I'm going to wear a mullet. He was like, all right, man. I don't, he probably didn't believe me or whatever. But I went back and told Amy. Uh, Amy Cruz is my – well, Amy Georgiulis now is her last name. I knew her when she was Amy Cruz. But um, she, I told her, I said, hey, Amy, I, th- I, think I, I think I know what haircut I want. I think I'm going to get a mullet. She was like, 
really? I said, yeah. And she was all for it. She was like, yeah, yeah. So I was like, all right, cool. And then, you know, my label and management, they, I tell them I'm getting involved. They're like, what? <laughs> no, please, God, no. <laughs> and I'm like, y'all know what happens when y'all tell me no. I'm going to do exactly the opposite of that. So I, I did. I grew it. And uh, I did not, but I didn't expect it. It wasn't like I'd forgotten about the whole silhouette thing at that point. It wasn't like I didn't expect it to become a thing. I didn't expect it to show up at shows and dudes are wearing mullets and cut off flannels. I just, I don't know. I just, I just liked how it looked and, and, and uh, here we are. Yeah. That's, I mean, that's what I know. Isn't it you? Yeah. And because it's such a lasting first impression, but again, much like up down, it's like you're the mullet guy. That's how you get in the door. But then you kind of open your rib cage up, and you're like, "This is the rest of me." Like the mullet gets you in. Yeah. The heart is what makes you last. Right. Yeah. And that's a good way to put it. I never thought of it that way. But you know, people, <laughs> whether they like it or they hate it, they're still going to say that's a mullet. You know. Well, and I wear really dark rim glasses. I'm just a generic white guy, right? <laughs> I really am just another generic white guy. <laughs> me too, without the mullet. Yeah. Man. <laughs> and so I was going, "Well, I can't see. What can I do?" To make me stand out because I always thought if someone could draw a character of you pretty easily, that means that what you're doing stands. So I was like, I'm just going to wear big dark room glasses. And that's where that comes from. Kind of the same idea about the uh, the, the silhouette. Yeah. I, I, that, I guess I'll just never forget Stacy saying that to me, man. He, he said that. I was like, that's a good point, man. Because there was, there was like a picture of a silhouette. To, or I don't even know if it was a picture or like a piece of art or something. But there was people and I knew them all. From the back, not even from the front, from the back. And uh, that made me think a little, and I've always remembered that. The first show I went to of yours, I was at Marathon Music Works, yep. and at a bunch of, uh, it was like during radio, one of those radio seminars, and I don't do a lot of that stuff, but I was in town for that yeah, night. It was, it was CRS, wasn't it? Maybe so, yeah. I think so. And, and a couple guys were like, hey, you're in town, just got, come, come to Morgan Wallen's show. And I was like, I'm just going to be honest with well, you. Yeah, but yeah. Fine, I, was like, I was like, is anybody going to be there? And they were like, <laughs> they were like, yeah. I was like, I know like two of the songs. Um, yeah, I'll go just because I want to see you guys. And I go, and it is packed to the gills. <laughs> Dude, that was a fun show. It's, it, and you freaking blew the. And then I was like, oh man, like I missed on. I missed on knowing how great you were early. Well, you. I mean, but it doesn't matter. Yeah, I see a lot of acts. That's what I'm about to say. Whether whether but whether I, I'm great or not, you get you get swamped with with but people I still telling missed. you that. I still miss, and I'm usually pretty good. And I'm telling you that to your face. Like I <laughs> I miss, and I was like, I don't know about. Were there going to be 30 people there? And I get there, you can't even move. They had to put us in like a little cage to make sure nobody was. They did. Yeah. I it remember. Was, it was phenomenal. Oh, so thank you, man. We thank leave you for that. your honesty. And, I, <laughs> and you came and you, you, you played the, the St. Jude show last year, and I was just like, God dang, man, this guy is so good. And then, you know, your, so your record, what's crazy about it is like it comes out and does well, but it. It's the biggest snow, slow building yeah, snowball I've ever seen. I know it's wild. It was like, and I can't even remember. It was like a hundred and something weeks after his, that it finally made it to number one on like a, on Billboard for like it was like one hundred seventeen weeks or something wild like it. Are you feeling it now? Where it's like you, I know you're not going to use the word, but just for the far sake of conversation, are you feeling it now? Where you kind of like I can actually feel some of the superstardom, or did it hit you like this, or was it kind of like slow? I think it hit me in Alabama about six weeks ago. Yeah. <laughs> well, what's funny about that too is, like, I I follow you on TikTok, and when you sing straight into TikTok, I think it blows people's socks off because you're so freaking good. Thank you. And man. I don't think people expect for like a country boy like yourself with a mullet to just sound so good. Probably not. And then I would see this is way before the Alabama stuff. I would see you were worshipped on TikTok. There was just a culture of, and I would get them all, and I'd be like, "Why am I watching these girls talk about how much they love Morgan Wallen?" I know, man. And I, I swipe away from them. I didn't want to spend too I, much time I watching. Either. I don't even get on there, man. But uh, yeah, I, I, well, I kind of realized that about TikTok once the Seven Summers thing happened, because I didn't even really know what TikTok was whenever that whole thing happened. Because I, Jake, Jake Owen had nominated me for a demo challenge on Instagram. Like you remember when everybody was doing those challenges at the beginning of quarantine. Just to keep, you know, we thought it was going to be a little month or whatever. This will be fun. <laughs> Eight months <laughs> later. Yeah. Oh, challenge. I haven't seen any challenges lately, have y'all? <laughs> no, because everybody's tired. <laughs> uh, but, you know, somebody, I guess, screen grabbed it and put it on TikTok. And somebody from my team, I can't remember if it was Seth or Tracker, but said, hey, have you seen what's going on with, with TikTok? I'm like, 
TikTok. I, I really didn't even know what it was. And they said, yeah, it's a new app. And somebody's got on there, you know, they've got seven summers. They're using that soundbite a lot. I was like, okay, that's interesting. Because I, I originally put that soundbite out on my Instagram to gauge if I even wanted to cut the song or not. I didn't even know if I was going to record it. And um, so I was like, all right, that's cool. You know, whatever. A couple weeks go by. They're like, dude, this thing is like really going off on there. I'm like, well, don't you guys think we might need to put it out then, you know, if it's doing that? So we went and recorded it, and uh, I think it had like 30 million hits on there or something before it ever even came out. So I, I I started like being like, man, this could be a real tool we could use for for music and try to drive people to the new music. So, um, man, I just started, you know, leaking a, a demo on my Instagram every so often or, you know, playing a acoustic thing on my Instagram. And I didn't even have to post it on TikTok. They would just do it. And... um just, you know, just giving little pieces of stuff. And, and, and I did that without asking, you know, the first couple of times they're like, dude, what are you doing? What are you doing? Put these songs out. And then they, you know, they kind of, they were like, well, they didn't get mad at me. Actually, my team, they're, they're, they're so good and understanding. They didn't, they didn't get mad, but they're, you know, they, they're going to ask or ask a question. What do you do? But, uh, so I told them and they're like, all right, that's cool. That's a good idea. So we just kept, you know, I've kind of just continued to do it a little bit. And then somebody has like leaked some demos that I don't even know where they came from. I don't even have, the, I don't even have the demos. I don't know where they even came from that are on there, but. Uh, the ones that I leak and put on my Instagram, they, we I like to do that. I like to get people's hopes up for that, and then you know drop them soon after, hopefully. Yeah, on TikTok you're a lowercase g god for sure. <laughs> they love, and and somehow I see all these girls. I'm just like guys, get over it. Like I I, I don't even want to see them anymore. I, I but know, it's, it's great. It's great. I I love I love the, how your fan base was organically created. And just because you brought it up, and I'll only ask you a few more questions. Yeah, yeah. It's like I'm enjoying it. When the Alabama stuff happened, I was like, guys, get off his jock. Like I didn't. I understand the COVID stuff. Me too. But I was like, what do you want from this guy? He's what, 27? 27. 27 years old. No, people were just having fun. I know. I mean, I get it. But I also, I understand both sides of it a, a little bit. You know, I know I got, I know that I got young kids that look up to me and all those kind of things too. So I do want to be mindful of things. I'm not going to let people control the way I live my life, but I do also want to be mindful. And honestly, I have, a, I have a son now and I don't know that I'd be proud to show him those videos. You know, I'm like, I got to think about some things a little bit differently. And honestly, I have, I have been in, you know, throughout this whole process, there's been times where for a while I would just be like, man, I'm, I'm really, I'm kind of like lonely and I don't know if I even like this. And, and then, you know, there's, the, and then there's another high and you're like, oh yeah, I love this, you know, and it just kind of goes, goes through phases. And I kind of just had been living like that, you know, and it's like, I don't can I not maybe do something to combat that? Maybe I don't have to be so moody, you know? So I, it was almost a good thing for me. I, you know, it kind of forced me away and just to kind of reflect and look at myself and kind of get to know myself again. And it was good for me. So I, I took like a while, like almost two weeks and just turned my phone off and just didn't, didn't even look at it, you know, drove on the tractor, things like that and just cleared my head. And, uh, that w- it was really, really good for me. So I don't, I don't really love the, con- the, <laughs> the, the circumstances that led to that, but I'm thankful for, for where it led me. And my only point was you were living your life. You're going to have to, you're going to have to learn somehow what you like, what you don't like. Yeah. I was just like, let, let the guy, you weren't doing anything illegal. No, no. Like, let the guy live his life. But I was vocally pro you living your life. I appreciate that, man. Uh, so, you know, I, I had a very similar situation. I'm just now getting married in April. I've never been married. I don't have any kids. But I was struggling with being single. And uh, Tyler, Florida Georgia Line, Tyler yeah. pulled me in a coffee shop. I was like, dude, you're kind of spiraling. It was a different spiral. My spiral was straight loneliness. And I just could not... I was like, I, my thing was a ratio of loneliness to happiness. That's and, where I was. Too. And I would, I, I would have some hit and I'd feel great. But then, because I'd, be, I'd do a stand-up show and I'd feel so loved on stage. But then you go back to your hotel room and you're just like, well, it, it sucks. It's so easy to base yep. your feelings off of what other people think because that's, what the, that's my job. You know, It's like I pour my heart and soul into this. I really want these people to like it. And damn, they do like it. You know, They do like me. That's awesome. And then, but you start chasing that, you know, that's what, that's, you start wanting that feeling all the time. And more and more. Yeah. It's like a, it's almost like a drug. You just keep on, you know, oh, that feels good. I like it when people like me. I, I mean, who don't? And I've always been the type of guy I really want to make everyone around me have a good time and feel good. That's like, I love that. I don't, I want people to, to love me. I just always have. And, um, so it's, it's kind of like a, it's, it's a catch 22, you know, it's like, you're going to go back and do SNL. <laughs> do they think you'll, You'll well, they, they originally told me that they were going to invite me back. Uh, if they do, I'll, I'll go do it, yeah. I hate <clears throat> the situation that happened for you, but I think if, if I'm standing back 10 feet for your career, 
one, I think you learned a lot from it. But two, it was great. I, I saw you pop up on the E! News feed. You crossed over oh, into E! News I, because I, of this. People were sending me like little screenshots or whatever. Like, oh, we've never heard of this guy before. I'm like, well, that's good. Yeah. So, <laughs> At least. You know, wouldn't want you to go through it again. <laughs> no. However, it takes, it takes some deep valleys to, to, to understand how hard it is to climb the, t- the, the tall mountains. Right. And it's not even you know it's not even gonna be your lowest. You're gonna go through so many highs and lows. Oh I know, I know. I'm proud of you, man. Thank you. I really appreciate that. I, I'm proud. Thank of you for you. having my back on that too. I'm just all, I'm just such a big fan too. And I'm not someone who claims to be there from the start. You know, I'm like, hey, what the heck's this guy doing? <laughs> I don't. I, I was I, the hardest one to convince. I can't even say I blame you, man. I came out. <laughs> I came out of the gate with songs that weren't even my personal favorites. So you know, I, I understand. Uh, chasing you, just still my favorite. Uh, Seven summers. The weird thing about the Seven Summers and uh, More Than My Hometown is they kind of are running alongside each other, which is rare. They're both in top 30 of the chart. I know. I think Hometown is almost, it's in top three right now, maybe. Top, I believe top three. I think they go, what is today, the fifth? They told me that they're going for number one on starting pushing spins on the 15th. So And you already have a song. That's like number 28 or something. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah dude, it's, it's wild. And, and it, you know, like we were talking about the TikTok thing earlier, I knew, I had a good feeling that Seven Summers would come out, to, out, out of the gate, you know, pretty strong. Definitely not as strong as it did. Had no idea I was going to do any of that stuff. I would have worried that it was going to take spins off of I did. I did have yeah. that worry. I did have that worry. But, like, we didn't, even, we didn't even plan on putting that out as a single. It was almost forced upon us. Like, people were just playing it. Yeah. So we're like, well, if these people are playing it, they're playing it. Maybe we just ought to make it a single. And, my, and I mean, my label, I, 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 you know, I ask them every week. I'm like, are y'all mad at me yet? You know, you're having to work two singles. I know that's got to be a pain. But they uh, obviously, I think they're pretty happy about it too, and, and they they work really hard and they're doing a good job. All right, well, I'm done with you. But you sure you don't mind walking over the house? No, I don't mind. Because well, I want to. We'll play it on this. Yeah. It'll be like 30 seconds. I think I, people would be I freaking. Play, I ain't played the piano in about a month. But we'll try it. Great. All right, Morgan Wallen, we're gonna go. Right. But this next thing you hear is us walking over to the house All and right. doing it over there. Yeah, Number one, and I tell you, I have a guy that comes and works on my yard a little bit if I have any, you know, any issues. But like, there's like sprinklers in the yard and stuff. Mm-hmm. He'll come fix them. And I was out there the day, and he goes, "Hey, is it true?" I was like, "What?" He goes, "Well, Luke Combs over here." <laughs> I was like, "Yeah." He goes, "Dang, I wish I would have been here that day." <laughs> I was like, "I know he's a good guy." Here is number one. It is Luke Combs. As you're a kid, what is a uh, you're singing? Do you have an eight year old rasp? Or did when did like when? No, I I was I was I had a really high voice when I was little. So I was I mean I was singing Vince Gill, you know I mean killing that stuff. Uh, and then I just got in. I always liked singing. I always get in trouble in class for humming or you know talking or, or I was just constantly making noise. Um, and then and then I found a you know a channel for that through chorus class and like the sixth grade they make us they made us take every elective in the sixth grade. So you took like art and home ec and gym and 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 chorus and band and you took all of those classes, uh, and then so when I went to pick my electives for the next year, I picked uh, my electives were always gym and chorus class. That was it. When you started singing, was it duck to water for you? It was, but I didn't know it at the time. It was just kind of like I just like doing it, but I didn't think I thought it was just. You don't understand that there's – I just never thought of doing something like this. You know, it wasn't like I was the kid that was like, I'm going to be Garth Brooks. I'm going to do this or that. I never had that intention in mind at a young age. And I know a lot of people who do. You know, they heard a Trisha Yearwood song and went, I'm going to be Trisha Yearwood. That's what I want to do. I just never thought of that as an option. I was playing sports. I was horrible at sports, but I was playing sports. I like doing that. And I was just singing because it was – something to do that I liked to do. You know, I was just, I mean, at that point in time, truly just living my life. You know, I wasn't planning for the future at that time. And um, I didn't really know I was any good uh, 
until like ninth grade, probably until I went to high school. And my course teacher was like, Hey, you're pretty good. You know? And I was like, cool. That's good. Cause I like, I like doing it. So it's cool that I'm good at it, you know? And then I sang, I was in course class every day of high school from ninth grade to the time I graduated. You play football? I did. How'd that go? Horribly. I was horrible. Really? Yeah. And what position did you play? Defensive tackle. Did you like hitting? Loved hitting. Um, I, I didn't have, uh, I didn't really have the, uh, the quickness per se or the aggression. I wasn't like an aggressive guy, so, but I loved hitting people. You weren't singing Vince Gill. Like, I wasn't singing Vince Gill in high school. On the line. No, I wasn't. Um, I always, you know, it's funny. I, I played rugby in college, which I was good at, and I did enjoy uh, a lot. But I loved, I always wanted to, I was like a running back stuck in a offensive guard's body. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I always wanted to have the ball and run with the ball, but that was never an option. And the and my my high school team, we ran, we were one of the first teams to run the spread. And so obviously there's... Your high school football team. Yeah. You ran the spread and for you... In 2000 and probably five, four or five. And you got you to gotta be able to move if you're running the spread. Yeah. No doubt. Every I mean, position. Cause even, you're the, down, even, even the linemen. Because you've got to get up and go and right. be ready quickly. So I wasn't in, sh- like in shape enough to be, you know, I didn't have the endurance to, to run with the offense because we had, we had two running backs that ran sub 4-3 40s. I mean, they were just lightning fast. Um, and so we were up and down the field a lot. I mean, 30, 40 yard play was not something that was out of the ordinary for us. And so, yeah, I was just not cut out for that either. You know, and a lot of teams we were playing, we're playing, we're, you know, we're running the wing T and like the super antiquated offenses and stuff like that. So yeah, I was just, I was just not cut out for that particular thing. I, now looking back in time, I would have, I would have loved to play offensive line. It's one of my favorite, most intriguing positions now and i think i would have been very good at that actually um but i was just i was just not because i didn't play when i was little i started playing in high school so all of my all of my teammates had been playing since they were seven or eight years old you know so by the time i was a senior it was like there were guys who'd been playing football for 14 to 15 years and i had only been playing for three so i was way behind the curve of you know, strength training and learning the game. And I just wanted to hit people. That was it. You go to Appalachian State. Mm-hmm. And as you leave high school and you go to college, in your mind at that point, why are you going to college? I just thought that was what you did. Because I, I didn't want to go to work, I think. You know, um, but I had went to, a, I actually went to a chorus camp at App in probably maybe eighth grade or ninth grade or something like that for the summer. I was like one of those two week, you you go and stay in the dorms and there's kids from all the different schools and everything. And I just fell in love with that place, you know, because I grew up in the mountains already, but that was way, I mean, that's way in the, as much in the mountains as you can be in North Carolina, kind of nestled in this little valley thing. And I just fell in love with the campus and like the, and the weather, you know, I, I like the cold, you know, I, I, I'm fine with being cold and, and it's very cold and it snows a lot there. And I just, I absolutely was enamored with that place. And ever since I went to that camp, I was like, that's where I'm going to go to college. I'm going to go to school there. And I was not a very good student in high school. Uh, I've always been interested in, in learning things. I really enjoy that. I just was never interested in learning things that people wanted me to learn. So what were you doing in college for the most part? If obviously you're getting because you didn't leave until and you left right before you graduated, right? Yeah. Which is mm-hmm. so, and we'll get to that. But what were you doing in school? Were you just keeping the grades up so you could keep singing, or were, like why? What was your motivation? It was like it. <laughs> college was a a big time for me of like okay, how do you be 300 pounds and get a girlfriend? That was what I spent most of my time trying to figure out. Did you have girls in college? No. No, I was definitely not a ladies' man. Uh, you know, not not because I didn't want to be, uh, but in high school, you don't exactly get judged on uh, your great personality. Um, so those were interesting times for me. But I, I mean, that was what I did in college, man. I, I hung out. 
I drank with my buddies. I didn't go to class a lot. I played rugby. I sang in an acapella group my, my first year and a half of school. Um, I, I, pl- I pledged a fraternity and ended up quitting doing that before I became an initiated member. Um, I, d- I did a bunch of stuff, man. I just tried a bunch of stuff, you know, and I think that's what I'm thankful for in the college experience because that's where I found out that this is what I was supposed to be doing. And you left early. Like you were close to graduating, right? Well, I was there for five years. Okay, so, so I didn't leave yeah. early. But, <laughs> but you left right before. I stayed late and I didn't graduate. Yeah. How many hours do you think you need to? 21. Not, not even, not, I mean, it's a semester and a half. Yeah, not even a full year. Yeah. But I could have done like a summer mm-hmm. and a semester. But the problem was, is I always hated math and I always hated science. Um, I'm not good at not good at science, not good at math. Um, and so I never, what happened was I, I loved, I was a major and I changed my major from business. I started out of business and I was like, wait, I hate math. Why am I doing that? That's just something that I was like, oh, you could probably get a good job doing business things, you know? So I tried that for like a year and then I switched my major to criminal justice. Um, because to do I, what in criminal justice in your mind? I wanted to be a homicide detective is what I wanted to do. Uh, still am very interested in that. Um, and so I, I went balls to the wall in, in that major and I really enjoyed that. So I liked going to my, you know, forensic science class and my this and this and this class. But the things that I, the 21 hours I was short were all my math classes, all my science classes. So like basic, like your freshman year stuff, never took any of them. I never took stats one and stats two. And then I never took chemistry or biology because I was like, this is just, I don't want to do any of this stuff, you know? And so by the time I got to the end of my major, I kind of ran into this huge roadblock because I had two or three classes that I needed for my major. And they were like, well, you can't take this class unless you have stats one and stats two, and you can't take them at the same time. So that's at least a year of school to take two classes. So I'd had to do stats one, stats two, biology or chemistry one and biology or chemistry two. And those were both prerequisites. And then I would have had to take the classes for the end of my major. And then I would have had to do my internship because I couldn't do my internship until I did the classes for the end of my major. And you'd already done five years. And I'd already done, yeah, like four, I, well, yeah, I'd already done like four and a half years. So I was like, I'm not staying here for another two and a half years in school. At least I ended up living in Boone until I was 24 before I moved to Nashville. Um, but I was just like, man, I just, I don't, you know, at that, by that time I was already playing music. Were you going back and forth from Boone to Nashville or what did you, when you came to Nashville, was it, you came to Nashville? The first, I came to Nashville twice in, in those years. And that was 2000 and at the end of 2013. And then the summer of 2014. When you came the the first time, did you know you wanted to stay? Yeah. Oh yeah. Cause I had written a few songs. And so I came at the end of 2013 and recorded those songs and then I met, had, you know, through the internet, had met a couple of people. I was like, oh, I write songs with these guys. And so I wrote a couple songs when I was there. And then I got back and I was like, man, like I got to plan another trip. So I planned another trip, wrote some more songs. And then on that trip in probably April-ish, May of 2014 is when I recorded She Got the Best of Me, Can I Get an Outlaw, and uh, Share If You Want To. And then at that time, after that, those came out in June, and I moved in September of that year, of 2014. The tweet you posted where you said, I think the topic was, tell me something about yourself that no one will believe. Mm-hmm. And I, the gist of it was that you came to town, and you had some songs, and people were like, hey, they weren't good. Mm-hmm. And your whole thing was, don't let anyone let you stop chasing your dreams. Yeah. Those meetings where you were rejected, are they vivid to you, the early meetings? Definitely. Um, the one in the meeting in particular was with somebody, it was, a, you know, they have like the artist, like writer reps at, at like BMI. So I had a friend that had a rep there and I went in and I was like very excited because I had just moved to Nashville at this time and I didn't know anybody, you know, I, I knew a couple writing buddies and was going out and playing a few writers rounds and, and writing songs every day. And cause by that time I was living off of those songs that I had put out the previous year and 
I went in and it was kind of like this, this person was like, well, play me three songs. And I was like, oh, cool. Like this person's going to be like, I'm going to play these three songs. And I, like, they're going to walk me into the best publishing thing. And they're going to be like, this guy's great. Like, how could you not love this guy? Give him a publishing deal. So I played Hurricane, When It Rains, and One Number Away, which were my first three number ones. And they were like, okay, here's the deal. You got to get better at songwriting. You got to write better songs. <laughs> and you're never going to be an artist. So that's it. And I was like, and I wasn't like mad. Do you know who said it? Yeah, but I'm not going to, I'm not going to say it. I would never ask you to yeah. say it, but I'm just asking if you know who said oh, it. Oh, I know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Have you seen them since? I, yeah, I ran into them uh, awkwardly at actually the BMI Awards. Do you think they ago. remember telling you that? Or do you I think you were so. just someone that was coming nope. through, churning through the system? I don't think so at all, which is fine. You know, I have, I have nothing against that person, you know, because I get it, man. I mean, it's it's like if you look at it, would I would I would equate it to at that level, you know, because you're not even screened at all at that level. Like any Tom, Dick or Harry can walk in off the street pretty much to BMI and get one of those meetings. So I can't imagine the pressure of like, okay, well, I've got six kids that moved to town yesterday that want to come in and they all think they're awesome. And I've got to be able to figure out which ones I think are good enough to go on to the next thing. And so I wasn't mad about it at all. I'm actually very thankful for that meeting because I did go out and feel like I wrote some of the best songs that I had ever written because I was like, man, I got to, I got to write more and, and do better. Like I'm not even close to as good as I need to be. And so I just kept my head down and I went and wrote a ton of songs. And, and then there were kind of the rest is just kind of fell into place. I mean, I know that's, you know, summarizing a big chain of events, but that's kind of how it felt. I got a few minutes left here. I wanted to run a couple other things about you that I'd heard. First of all, a lot of folks come in, myself included, that worked retail because yes. we, we kind of had to. Yep. You got to pay the bills somehow as you're mm-hmm. chasing your creative endeavor. Yes. And uh, I worked at Hobby Lobby. Uh, Mike, who was in? Uh, Michael Hobby from Thousand Horses yep. worked at The Buckle. Okay. You worked at IZOD. I did. I did. <laughs> How'd yes. that go? <laughs> I was not a great fit uh, at IZOD. Um, but I had, you know, I had f- as much fun with it as you could possibly have folding people's golf sweaters. You know, um, I, it was in an outlet mall, like one of those like Tanger outlets or whatever they call it. They had one in Blowing Rock, which is right down the road from Boone. So it was, I mean, it was pretty, pretty miserable. If I'm and how really long honest. did you do that? I probably worked there for, I mean, close to a year, probably, I would think. And whenever you are walking past a table of shirts that are messy, <laughs> Does it bother you, and will you refold a shirt? No chance. No, <laughs> no chance. I w- but I'll tell you what, I do, I do fold a mean shirt, you know, uh, when, I'm, when I'm doing the laundry at home, which I'm sure people are surprised. I do do laundry. Uh, my fiancé does handle the brunt of the laundry, um, but I do, I do chip in quite a bit, you know, help fold stuff. And, you know, I'm not, I'm not afraid to do laundry. I, I, don't, I don't mind it at all. But will you I, separate it, or do you yeah. just throw it all in? I, I, if I wasn't in a committed relationship, I would throw it all. Cause I throw it all in. Yeah. But I do separate it now just because that's what, but now it's like her stuff's in there, which is the thing. Like mine are just old, like gross t-shirts and jeans really. So I'm not too worried about them like shrinking or like, but now there's this whole, like, don't wash this thing with that thing and don't dry this thing, but it's gotta be tumble dried, but don't put it in with this thing that has to be high heat. And then some stuff is like cold water. And so it's, I mean, it gets pretty mathy to me, you know? And, and we so, know you don't like math. I don't like math. You left Appalachian State because you I left school because You I didn't even take math. laundry. That was like yes, year three. That was year three, and I skipped laundry class. That's for sure. Thanks for listening to part two of the top eight Bobbycast interviews of the year. If you enjoyed those, you can hear the full conversations. That was just a little snippet. Go back on the Bobbycast feed. And again, if you missed part one from last week, check that out. We'll be back with new episodes in 2021. Just appreciate you. We wouldn't be able to do what we do if you didn't listen. So we're very grateful. Check out Mike D's movie podcast called Movie Mike's Movie Podcast. Talk to Chuck with Chuck Wicks. If you love country, talk to Chuck. It's a good one too. There's just so many. We hope you check them out. We hope you find something you like. And we're glad you like this. Goodbye, friends.
Tracy V. Wilson from Stuff You Missed in History class. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new car. Like a legendary Camry built for performance and available with all-wheel drive, you can count on your new Camry to get anywhere you need to go. Or check out an affordable and reliable Corolla with a trim for every lifestyle. From the hip sedan to the sporty hatchback, there's a Corolla built just for you. Check out more national sales event deals when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. Hey, hey, it's Malcolm Gladwell, host of Revisionist History eBay Motors is here for the ride. Your elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive entirely its own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Busy weekends are a breeze with American Express Platinum Card. 8 a.m., wait to board plane in the Centurion Lounge. (sighs) Much better. 2 p.m., grab seats for the game. 6 p.m., book an exclusive reservation with Resi Global Dining Access. Because the American Express Platinum Card offers access to the Centurion Lounge, must-see live events, and exclusive reservations at renowned restaurants. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Terms apply.